Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au We're going to do some stuff. Feel the presence of God tonight. Are you well? Sort of well. Are you well? Praise God. You know, I, I always think no one says it better than Papa Bill. Why interrupt people when God's talking to them to talk about how God wants to talk to them? And uh, I also think as well, uh, Jess, I just want to honor you. I really do think that vulnerability from the platform is what is going to unlock a nation. And especially young people. I think that when we can be honest about uh, what we've been through, what we're going through, I always try as a communicator, and I fail sometimes, but I always try and be honest about my life and my marriage because you don't want to listen to someone who thinks they're perfect. You want to listen to someone who knows a perfect saviour. And uh, I think that's important. It's the, it's the end of our Jesus Walks series. And, um, but I really just want to bounce off what Jess and James and the team have done. And I really believe that God's going to, has and will continue to move in power. And I want to challenge us as well. You know, as a preacher, I could feel, now I might do an altar call, I don't know. But I just want to touch on church thoughts for a second. You know, I could feel the pressure to do an altar call after this because that's what you do at the end of a service. But we have one. And it was amazing. People got set free and touched. And, um, but I'm also just like, love praying for people. So I might just pray for people anyway. Um, are you good? You're quiet. You're quiet. Don't go quiet on me. Jesus is still here. The anointing is, I think it's still here. This is, I don't know. I might have gone when I got on stage. Might have seen my hair and gone, that's of the devil. Um, I want to touch on what we heard from Pastor Rob this morning. I think the keys just died. Oh, they're back. Um, Pastor Rob talked about, um, Pastor Rob talked about a few things. I want to talk about this audacious stage that Pilate has. This time in history where it's Pilate. Oh, Ash Staggett. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. We love you with an everlasting love. Welcome back. So good. Is Elliot? I can't see it's Hayes. Is Elliot? Yeah, you're next to it. Great. Praise God. <clears throat> Pilate. Pontius Pilate has this stage in history and he had no idea. He had no idea that, that the stage he was on was crazy. I love what Pastor Rob said. Jesus wasn't on trial. Pilate was. Pilate was on trial to see if he could make the right decision, not the popular one. Pilate's wife even comes to him and she had a dream about them. they should let this person go. And I just, I, this is extra biblical. Maybe God gave her that dream. Maybe God was like, I don't want Pilate to be remembered for all time as the guy that did this. I'm going to try and give him a prophetic dream. But either way, Pontius Pilate has this audacious stage. And then we hear about Jesus and Barabbas and this murderer, this, if you read Josephus, he was also condemned of, of, of sexual crimes. And just, he, he started off as a zealot, but then things went crazy, he turned into a modern day terrorist. And we hear this story about the son of man who'd done nothing wrong and the worst of the worst and then the chains that Barabbas earned he got set free from we see this story and, and then I, I started crying this morning when dad read it. I just forgot that they I didn't forget but the ins and outs so they spat on him they put a crown of thorns on his head they hit him with a reed. The reason they hit him with the reed, I looked into it this afternoon, was it was 
painful enough to cause agony, but not strong enough to break his bones. They wanted him to be able to make that seven mile walk to Golgotha. Who here's seen The Passion of the Christ? Just really quickly. I just want to see all the Christians in the house. You know, a lot of people, when that movie came out, they said, oh, I, I think Mel Gibson went too far. You clearly don't know your history. Isaiah said that he was beyond recognition as a human. The goal in Roman whipping was to make the internal organs fall out because the flesh was so rent. (laughs) Caleb said it the other day, Jesus isn't your bro. He is your best friend, but he's worthy of honor and glory and praise. And he went through, I believe, probably more than any human ever has. He stayed alive. He suffocated in his own blood. I'm not trying to shock you. This is the gospel we stand on. And he did it for me. And he did it for you. And he'd do it again. And he did it in spite of knowing that we'd walk away. And (laughs) I want to read to you from Matthew 27, 35 to 54. It's a little bit of a passage of Scripture in the ESV. And I want you to call to remembrance. I don't want you to, when I read this, I don't want you to just view it as a story because it happened. I want you to view it as this was the moment that your destiny, your calling was unlocked. This was the moment your sin was paid for and it took the agony and distress of God becoming man and being tortured within an inch of his life for it to happen. I want to read this to you. And I don't apologize if I get emotional because I don't know, it's just beautiful. And this part is called the death of Jesus. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Ele, Ele, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling for Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, and they're mocking him here, wait, let's see if Elijah will come and save him. Jesus cried out again and with a loud voice yielded up his spirit. This is not part of my message, but this touches at the very root of offense. We get offended when someone cuts us off in traffic. I like to think I'm a very goals-driven guy. I'd like to, it's not true, but I'd like to think that I could have endured the whipping. And I could have endured the pain, the bodily pain. What gets me is the words. Like the, 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 the teasing and the mocking and the... It says that he yielded up his spirit. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. That's a, that's a whole nother thing. The holy city uh, and coming out of the tombs and after this resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So these people that were dead, they came back to life and then they went into Jerusalem. And they're like, hi, Helen. People came back to life. Such was the sheer power of the anointing earth recognized will never be the same. The heavens rejoiced and all the demons in hell were like he's done it. I'm excited. 
you're very quiet and I can't really see. Is it the haze or is it my glasses? It's a mixture. When the centurion saw those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. All of history, all of the major and minor prophets, all of the Deuteronomic testimonies, every prophetic word, every sign and wonder, the Torah itself, my eternity, your eternity, every law hung on this moment. Because he still had opportunity. Before he said, it is finished, he had opportunity to tap out. He said a few chapters before, at my command, a legion of angels could be here and deliver me. It is by my choice that I'm here. I find that incredible. He said, it is finished. It doesn't say that in Matthew, but in the other synoptic gospels, he says, it is finished. I just want to echo what Pastor Jesse said. Depression, it is finished. And see, what happens is, what happens is when we don't see it finished, our theology changes. Anxiety, it is finished. But I've been medicated for four years and I haven't seen it. I love you and I empathize with your journey, but he said it is finished. I'm a man of faith and I've seen many people healed. And every Saturday when me and Sam Cockgrove go and run on the soccer field and play for our soccer team, my lungs tighten up, phlegm rises up, my sport-induced asthma kicks in. I've seen five people completely healed of asthma. I still have asthma. It doesn't change that what he did on the cross set me free from asthma. And what's the ins and outs of the theology? I don't know. I just know that I'm believing what the Bible says, not what my experience tells me. You see, it is finished. The pain, the hurt, the grief, the guilt, the shame, the addiction, it's finished. It's not a thought. It's the truth. And that truth is outside of time. So if you haven't seen it yet, keep contending for it. The easy thing to do is roll over and go, well, it hasn't happened yet. What he did on the cross, that word is eternal and it's truth. And you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of forgetting about the cross every day because that's what we do. When we get a bad attitude, we forget the cross. When someone offends us and we hold on to it, we forget the cross. <laughs> this bit was never going to get anyone standing up and clapping. When we snap at our spouse, we forget the cross. When we decide that we're worthless and we can't amount to anything, we forget the cross. When we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ anything less than with honour, respect and love, we forget the cross. <laughs> I'm sick of forgetting about the cross. I'm sick of letting my emotions get the better of me. And I know it's just me. And I know all of you remember the cross daily and dwell on it and think about it. But can I challenge us tonight that we have to remember the cross. We have to rehearse and recall that sacrifice every day. Jazz, why don't you come up? We, we need to remember the cross. I know it's a very deep theological point, but I'm going to keep saying it. My first point for the message tonight is that we must live in remembrance. You see, because in the West especially, we get distracted there's bills, there's kids, there's things, there's stress, there's an iPhone out every six months. It's very full on. <laughs> that actually does stress some people. <laughs> and, but we actually just need to stop. Sometimes, you know, 
sometimes I'm a very vivacious young man and I'm full of energy and beans. And sometimes Anna needs to just grab both my hands and look me in the eye and say, babe, just, just, just calm down. And I'm like, but I'm so excited. She's like, about what? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just excited. And she's like, hey. Sometimes I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us. And by the way, I'm not talking to the sanguines. You can be the most introspective, introverted person ever, but you're too busy in your head to think on the cross. He grabs us by the hands. He's like, hey, my son, my daughter, remember what I did on the cross. Father, tonight, help us to dwell on the cross, on the victory that it brought us, on the destiny it released in us. That when everything's said and done, the cross would be enough. That the culmination of this Jesus Walk series would be that we choose to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Father, fill us again with thankfulness, with awe, with admiration, with wonder. That You would do that for us. That you would do that for me. Let us never forget. Let it not be an Easter message. Let it be something we dwell on and thank you for daily. Jesus' name. Everyone said? Uh, It's good news, man. It's good news. All right, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm not going to preach for too long because I think Holy Spirit wants to continue doing the work, but... We, we, we got to finish the book of Matthew tonight. <laughs> We're in a series. <laughs> so. ah, all right, point number two. Thank you, Jesus. Point number two. The cross always equals holistic healing. Look at this story and we see Barabbas. He got freedom from chains he'd earned. Pastor Rob spoke on that this morning. You've got to get the podcast if you, if you weren't here. The thief, Pastor Rob spoke on it this morning, got healed from guilt and wrongdoing. What Pastor Rob didn't touch on this morning was Joseph of Arimathea. He was the one, and we'll read it in a sec, but he actually took Jesus' body down. He was a wealthy man and he buried it with oils and herbs and spices. And it's just amazing that this man would do this. What I didn't know until Pastor Heather spoke to me about it was that Joseph of Arimathea, Arimathea is a town he's from. That was a town that was affected by Herod when Herod killed all the newborns in the land. So he probably would have had a son around Jesus' age. The coming of the Messiah, not because of that, but because of Herod, meant he lost his son. Yet he has a moment of intense healing when he decides, I'm going to take Jesus and I'm going to bury him. I think that's incredible. We don't know why. We don't know why Joseph... I don't know about you, but if a political leader came in and it resulted in me losing my son, even if it was a decree from another leader, I would hate that political leader for all time. Yet he's the one that buries him. You see, this story is laced with healing. 
in the midst of the blood and the torture, the travail and the stress, there is healing. That's Jesus, isn't it? Can I tell you, when he forgave the thief, his wounds were probably infected, filled with gravel from that walk. He was slowly beginning to suffocate in his own blood, but he had time. We run out of time when we're hungry. I'm preaching to myself. Jesus had such a careful concern for humanity that in the midst of his crucifixion, he was like, you'll come with me too. We get so caught up, don't we, on church life, what we have and don't have, the role we don't have, the role we were promised, this, that and the other, our spouse, our kids are crazy. We don't have enough money. And the Holy Spirit grabs us by the hands. He's like, hey, 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 remember the cross. The cross brings healing. This thing I wanted to touch on was, it says in the Matthew, and it's all in there, Matthew 27, 28. I'm running short of time, so I've got to speed up. But Joseph went and asked Pilate if he could bury Jesus with honour. Because the Romans would usually leave people to rot for three months, three months on the cross as a sign. See, we read that. That's not normal. A Jewish wealthy man went to the Roman governor of the region to ask if he could bury him with honour. What happened in Joseph? I believe he had an encounter with the anointing of God. I believe he had a moment like the centurion and said, this is no man. Jesus was taking off the cross and they couldn't bury afternoon. Josephus thinks that Joseph would have had an hour and a half to get to Pilate and get back. Wealthy men didn't run. Now this is just me. Because it doesn't say at a chariot or anything. I see Joseph running, undignified, a wealthy man running to a Roman official. Why? Because he's desperate. I will not let my Jesus be buried without honor. Can I ask you in your life, are you desperate for Jesus to be honored? Are you desperate? I was like, are you desperate, man? Joseph of Arimathea could have been beaten and he was going to a man who had just decided to go with the crowd instead of do the right thing. This was not a smart decision, but he runs to Pilate. What happened in Pilate? We don't know. Maybe his wife was there saying, let them bury this man. There's something about this man. Let them at least bury him with dignity. And then he has to go back, run back to the place of the skull and get Jesus and prepare his body. And he has to do it before sundown. Here's a man who is desperate that Jesus would be honoured. Can I tell you, if we would be desperate that Jesus would be honoured in our lives. See, it takes away, it starts to step away from the I need to be radical thing, which is great. I love, I want to be radical. I want to be in the name of Jesus. Like, I love that. But it actually goes, God, in my life, be glorified. In my marriage, be glorified in my department in my ministries which aren't really mine anyway be glorified it, it, and I love the radical thing and there's messages for faith and empowerment and all that you know I love that stuff but this is an intensely personal thing it doesn't say anyone ran with Joseph there was just an innate desire within him of my Jesus must be honoured I think the church could do with a bit of that 
that Jesus would be honoured in our interactions, in our meetings, in our services, in our planning, that Jesus would be honoured. I understand this isn't the funniest message, but I just didn't feel called to bring that tonight. I feel called to bring this. And so I'm going to bring that. I'm going to do that. Insert funny story, insert analogy, insert me using a long word in the wrong way. I do that a lot. But I do it really confidently, so people are like, oh, most people. Point number three. Once again, please read through Matthew 27, 28. When you get home, it'll take you like 15 minutes. But I don't have time. The report of the women. I want to touch on this. This is fun. Jesus is buried. The religious leaders try and reinforce the death, reinforce the bad news. Have you ever had that? Something happens in your family or in your life and it just sucks. And then you just hear the enemy whispering when you go to bed. And like something happens and they throw in a, that was your fault. That's the enemy you're trying to reinforce bad news. But we've got to choose carefully the report we listen to. Anyway, that was just for free. And what happens is Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, it says. And the other Mary is the Mary and Martha. She's there. And uh, this strikes right at the root, root of, uh, I don't know if women should preach or talk. So Kina, a theologian from 1990, wrote, wrote this. And if we could put that up on the screen, just that quote from Kina. He's talking about Matthew 28, 27, 28. He says, This narrative demonstrates that those of whom society deems least are often those God sends with His message. So Jesus came back to life forever, freeing humanity. And the mouthpiece he chose as the first point of testimony was women. I would, I, would argue, I would argue that Jesus does want women to be a mouthpiece. This isn't a message on women in ministry. We can do all the stuff. And it's not that I don't understand how people have gotten there. I understand that. I, I actually read my Bible a lot. I understand it. But I'm saying, I'm looking at the nature and the character of God. I'm looking at what he does and who he does it through. I'm getting pumped. But this is also a great thought from Kena. You can put that down. It's also a great thought that he often uses silly idiots in wine presses. He often used deposed princes of Egypt. He often used people with a lineage of hurt and pain, divorce, suffering, prostitution. Sometimes he uses a guy from Kabulcha who was addicted to porn and didn't know who he was and tried to look like Eminem and it's, it's Candace's fault she put too much toner in the narrative demonstrates that those of whom society deems least are often those God sends with his message even the disciples didn't believe him like that's their friends, family Jesus is alive, man. Oh, no. Ah, oh, honey, like you're stressed. And you're a woman. Did you know the witness account of a woman in those days didn't count? So you could literally view someone murdering someone, but because of your gender, this doesn't stand up. Why? Because I have eyes. It doesn't matter. 
Jesus was always challenging social paradigms. He was always challenging political paradigms. We don't have time, it's another message, but the parables he told about the Samaritan and good Samaritan, like he was constantly challenging culture. And I think we still have to challenge culture today. Two more points and I'm done. I'll get out of here. Number four, my point is to this day, and this is a sad point. I want to read to you from Matthew 11 to 15. And it's really, really sad. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him, we will bribe him, and we will keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. You see, the tragedy of this is that Caiaphas, he was the high priest and his cohort, they didn't even care to check if he was who he said he was. They were worried about their reputation and the people that were the people that were supposed to protect the presence of God ended up cutting off an entire people group from the message of the risen Messiah to this day. What's my point? Your words have power, man. The power of a thought. Has anyone seen Inception? It's a great film. There's this one point where he plants a thought in his wife's head. She can never get it out. She can never get it out. Now today, you might not be a, a, a Jewish person who believes that Jesus was just a good teacher or just a good, but you might've been told in sixth grade that you're an idiot. You might've been told that you're gonna to amount to nothing. You might've been told that you're dumb. You might've been told you were gay. You might've been told that you were, you were a terrible person. You might've been told that you were this, that, and the other. And that has sat with you for all time. It's the power of a thought. I'm not making a statement on anyone's sexuality or anything. I'm just saying things that we were told when we were young, whether good or bad, they resonate with us. On that point, Caleb, Pastor Caleb touched on this a couple of months ago. Jesus isn't a way. He's the way. Jesus wasn't just a good teacher or a good prophet. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the way. Last point tonight. Band, you can come join me. Last point is Jesus walks. Was that serious? Can, can I just tell you something that I'm sure you know? Jesus was real. That's not like disputed. Like secular historians would tell you that there was a man called Jesus. He lived at a certain time. He was a political figure. He had many followers. It's people that are like, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, I don't believe in Napoleon, whatever. Like it's silly. He existed. The question is, who do you say he is? That's the question. He was real. He lived. He died. He did that. But who do you say he is? Why don't we all stand tonight? You see, the reason we did this Jesus Walk series was not just to look at the fact that he walked, we wanted to see how he walked. The reason we did this series was not just to convince you of Jesus, it was to convince you of what's possible in your life. The reason we did this series 
was so that once again, we could recalibrate and focus on the focal point of our faith. First Peter says He's the cornerstone, He's the capstone. He's the alpha, He's the omega. He's the beginning, He's the end. So really quickly, I'd be remiss if tonight I didn't just quickly check. This isn't the main thrust of, of, of the ministry time tonight, but I, I need to check. I need to check that you know Him. I didn't ask if you were in church. I didn't ask if you were a leader. Didn't ask if you... I said, do you know Him? Do you know Him, man? Does the cross bring you to tears? Is He an idea or is He your friend? Are you intrigued by Him or are you in awe of Him? So really quickly across this place, if you wouldn't say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you aren't sure if that rugged cross means that you're saved, I want to check really quickly that everyone in this place is saved. On the count of three, if you'd shoot your hand up and just show me, because we don't want to let a meeting go by without checking that people are in relationship with the person of Jesus. Really quickly all across this place, every eye closed. One, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life, purpose for you. Two, when He was hanging on that cross, He was thinking of you, man. He was thinking of your life, your family, your kids. Three, if that's you, would you just give me a quick wave if that's you? Thank you. It's awesome. It's cool. Really cool. Great. Great. I just wanted to check. And I know who you are. I'll come see you in a moment. I really feel like what Pastor Jesse said before. We need to keep hitting that. I think that what happens is, I was thinking this when, when Pastor Jesse was talking about it, is what we do is we come up for a altar call and we get prayer and then we get embarrassed because we've got faith, but we're like, well, it's still here. Or, or we, we have anxiety or depression or, or mental stuff and we go, I've had this for ages. I'm gonna be labelled as that person. But Pastor Rob preached an amazing message of how actually Jesus uncategorized us and we're not categorized as what we have done or what we're going through. And so we're gonna do another altar call for anxiety, for depression, for stress, for lack of sleep, for mild insomnia. Apparently there's different versions of insomnia. I had someone message me and said, I've got mild insomnia. And I was like, oh, is that the same as insomnia? She said, no, it's mild. I was like, it's interesting. Um, but our mind is actually a very important place. It's a place where we think, it's the place where we, we, we meditate. It's often the way we can start the thing of getting close to God. We think about Him, we dwell on Him. And so if the enemy has cap captured your mind, or if He's just hassling your mind, that's, that's a problem. And it's a problem because Jesus said it is finished. And so if you're still in that, it's not on you and I'm not, but, but don't identify with it, man. You're not the person with anxiety. You're a person that's about to kick that thing in the face. You're not a, a depressed person. You're a person where maybe some chemicals aren't lining up. And so with every eye open, with every head raised, <laughs> real quick, if you've got stuff going on in your mind, whatever that means, I want you to be crazy bold, just come to the front real quick. I know we'll wait, well, someone will come and then a few people will come and, and it's good. Come on, if you can't sleep, man, if you're stressed, we might just dim the light so people feel less awkward. Come on, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna kick this thing in the face, man. We're believers. Come on, there's more of you tonight. I'm getting all excited. We're gonna dance on it. I don't know if we're gonna dance on it, but come on, we're gonna, we're gonna kick this thing in the head. Pastor Rob's right. This thing is an epidemic in the Western church. 
If I talk about anxiety, depression or porn addiction in the Western church when I go preach places, the altar is full. But this is just mental stuff. (laughs) Come on, keep coming. Come on, keep coming. You've been on this altar before. You're a pastor. You're whatever. Come on, come on to this altar. I want you to come right up the front, guys, if that's okay. We always leave like two metres. Come on, I want you to come right up the front. We're going to kick this thing in the face. Jesse's going to do something. We're going to pray for you. Come on, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Come on, by the blood of Jesus, it is finished. Come on, church, if you're not out the front, you start praying. You start lifting your hands towards these people. Come on. Jesus walked in freedom so that you could walk in freedom. Jesus died on the cross that you would have peace and a sound mind. He doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. Come on, just speak in tongues, church. If you speak in, speak in a heavenly language, we're going to stir up faith tonight. We're going to stir up faith. Come on, we've got to intercede for our brothers and sisters. And we've got to say to the enemy, hey, no more. It is finished. Anxiety, get out in the name of Jesus. Depression, get out in the name of Jesus. People that can't sleep, we pray deep sleep. People that are stressed, we pray peace. Come on, church. Oh, we've got to keep stirring up an atmosphere of faith here. Come on, Jesus.